Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. And who had a good summer? Anybody have a good summer? Okay. Uh, I know where it's like fall kickoff doesn't quite feel like fall yet. Um, anybody go anywhere like super dope this summer? Like you took a, a, an awesome trip, vacation. Okay, I saw someone real quick over here. I'm, I'm only gonna get to a couple, but um, okay. Uh, wow, there's a lot of hands. Let's go all the way in the back, the black back corner right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can just shout it out. You went to the Virgin Islands. I knew you had something good for me. That's awesome. Anybody in the center section? Yeah, right here. Puerto Rico to celebrate your mom's 50th. Come on with that. What about over here? I can't leave this section out right here. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? You're standing up. Okay. She said she went to LA and had an internship with Warner Brothers and like seven. And what? Michael B. Jordan. My goodness. Okay. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, he's here tonight? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not here yet. That's amazing. Okay. Um, well, I'm sure we could get to it. There's a lot of hands. Maybe we should just have a, a night where it's like, tell us about your summer vacations, because that's awesome. Um, but clearly, there's good people in the room. Get to know some of these people. They might take you on your trip next summer. Um, but it was a good summer for me and my family. I, we, we did like a couple normal beach trips that we do, but specifically my wife and I, uh, with the rest of kind of her family, all the adults at least, we got to go on like a once-in-a-lifetime trip, a trip that had been in the making for really like three years. We were supposed to go in 2020 and then COVID and then 2021, still COVID, 2022, barely made it through, but uh, it happened and we got to go to Italy, which was really incredible. I'd never been to Italy before. And we started our trip in the Amalfi Coast, which y'all, let me just tell you, Amalfi Coast is like next level gorgeous vibes. Here's a picture of my wife and I in the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, this was like, like not even a really good view in the Amalfi Coast. Like this was like, oh, okay, let's just snap a picture. It was insane. And then we like traveled around Italy and we went to Florence and to Rome and some other parts of Italy as well. It was really, really amazing. And I just kind of mentioned this, but one of the best parts, honestly, um, was the fact that we went without our kids. Like, and I love my kids, like praise God. But man, it was good. And there were no kids on the trip uh, with our family. Like it was an all adult trip. And so it was amazing. And we were gone for a week and we left our two little girls at home um, by themselves. It was, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we had two babysitters come, names Ashlyn and Abby. They're amazing people. And when I got home, we got home like late one night and the next morning I was like, man, I've got two daughters, which let me just show you them real quick. Um, here's my, my daughters, yeah. Uh, this is my daughter, Willow. And then this is my daughter, Nomi. Willow will be four in October. Nomi just turned one in June. And so we got back and I knew what Nomi's response was gonna be. Like, she's one, you know, it's gonna be like, hey, yeah, 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 you know, that was gonna be it. Willow, I was like, yo, she's probably really missed us, you know, like we talked a little bit while we were gone through like Marco Polo and stuff, but not a lot. And so I couldn't wait the next morning. And I honestly thought, I'm not just making this up, I honestly thought like when I go in Willow's room and wake her up, I'm gonna be like, Willow, and she's gonna be like, dad, you're back, you know? And she's gonna jump into my arms and we're gonna have this moment, this amazing embrace that I'll never forget. And she's gonna be like, don't ever leave me again. I'll be like, I won't, except I'm already planning another adult only trip next summer. Um, <laughs> So the next morning I walk in and it's going as planned and I'm like, good morning, Willow, we're back. And she's like, oh, hey, dad, hey, mom. And I was like, did you miss us? And she's like, yeah. And then she goes, 
but actually, Dad, I, I just wanna play with Abby and Ashlyn. Can I just play with Abby and Ashlyn, Dad? And I don't know what caught me more off guard, what she said, or the fact, you might have missed it, the fact that she said, but actually. Because I'm like, what three-year-old is saying the term actually? And the way that she says it, like I gotta try to imitate her, she says, actually, actually, dad, actually. And so she would go on throughout the course of this summer, like that was her phrase. I'm not kidding you. I would say, if not every day, at least every other day, she would say those words, but actually, but actually, I think I do wanna watch a show now, dad. Actually, I don't want a hot dog anymore for lunch. But actually, I do wanna to go to the grocery store with you and get a free cookie. But actually, can we please go to Target to buy a toy, which some of you are like, yo, those are really specific examples. Yeah, it's because I heard them 900 times this summer. She would say that, but actually, but actually, but actually, Dad, I know I had said this, I know I had decided to do this, but actually, and it was a phrase that she used when she had changed her mind about something when she had shifted and decided to go in a different direction, she'd say, but, but actually. In fact, if, if you're a note taker, even if you're not, I just wanna let you know that the title of this message tonight, I've titled this message, but actually, but actually. And as before we dive in, I'd love just to, just to pause for a moment and, and, and pray, and then we'll dive in. So God, thank you um, for this community. And Lord, thank you in advance for what you're going to do Tonight, we're believing you're gonna do amazing things. You already have um, started it, but God, we believe that you're gonna uh, move in a powerful way in the remaining time that we have left together. And so in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, can we all agree that we live in a culture right now that oftentimes struggles to be real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like even the people who say they live the most transparent, authentic, like real lives, there's probably some things if you dug down deep enough that they kind of want to keep a secret. There's some things they don't necessarily want you to know. When you think about social media, it's why oftentimes we just, what do we do? We, we show our best and hide the rest. It's why many of us feel like we, we, we're not allowed to struggle out loud. Like it's why we say things a lot like we're fine like I've got things under control, you know, I, I, I can deal with it, I can figure it out. No, I'm not worried or stressed or feeling anxious, it's all good, I can overcome that struggle that's been dogging me for years, but, but, but actually, that's just not always the full truth, is it? Which I just wanna throw this out, I, I know it's fall kickoff, and I know it's night one of this semester, and I know that some of you are like, yo, bro, can you just like chill out a little bit, like where are we going here? You're talking about being real and stuff. It feels like you're coming in a little bit. You're about to take us somewhere. Can we just like preach a message on like how this semester's gonna be awesome and God's gonna move and it's gonna be great and we'll all be excited and be like, yeah, we'll see you back at the next one. And I could do that tonight and that'd be great, but I really want us to actually turn a corner tonight on night one of the semester. Because if we can't be real at church, then where can we be? To which I know already some of you are like pushing back in your minds mentally, and you're like, Matt, 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 here's the thing. Um, I've kind of always believed, and I even right now believe, that like church is actually the, the, the place where I can't be real. Maybe you've kind of grown up being taught that even, that like church is the place where you gotta come and pretend and put a smile on your face no matter what's going on, and, and just show everybody, at least give off the vibe to everybody, that everything's good. And if that's been your experience, I just wanna say I'm genuinely sorry. 
Because that was never the way that the church was designed or intended to be. In fact, the church was designed and intended to be a place where we come together and we're broken and imperfect, but we just bring our broken and imperfect selves and we come and we encourage one another, we challenge one another, we laugh with one another, we cry with one another, and ultimately we go on a journey of seeking out Jesus alongside one another. And my hope and prayer for tonight and for week one of this new semester is that we'd be able to embrace the freedom to be able to say that, man, there are some things in my life that I've been thinking and some things that I've been saying and even believing for far too long now, but actually it's time for me to shift and move in a new direction and start a new narrative and turn the page and maybe even start a new chapter in my life. Maybe for you, you've been saying things recently that kind of sound like this. You've been saying like, hey, I've been telling people that my college experience is off to the best start, but actually, it's been really hard. Actually, I feel pretty overwhelmed in this new big city. I'm not sure I even made the right college choice. I'm missing my family and friends from back home a lot, a lot more than I thought I ever even would. I'm already considering transferring, Matt. Or maybe it's the opposite for you, and you've been saying things like this. I told my community back home that I was so sad to leave. I even forced and manufactured like a few tears. But actually, I couldn't wait for a fresh start. I was counting down the days until moving. I love being in this new big city. High school couldn't have ended soon enough, and college came at just the right time. Or if we could just get real, real for a second, maybe for you it's this. Oh yeah, of course, I love my roommate. They are so responsible and neat and clean and organized. But actually, <laughs> but actually there's a pile of dishes, Matt, already piled up about this high in my sink. And it's literally been about four days since we moved in. How is this even possible? And if your roommate's sitting next to you tonight and that's them, don't look, that'd be awkward right now. It's not the time. Not the time. Talk about it later. It'll be cool. Or maybe you've been on, phone, on the phone recently with someone from back home, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your aunt, one of your friends, and they're like, yo, are you meeting people? How's it going? You finding your community, and you're saying things like this. Like, I'm feeling great about that. I'm not worried at all. I'm already making friends and finding my people. It's been so easy, but actually, you don't know if it's ever going to happen. Like, maybe for you, if you were being really honest tonight, you'd say, but actually, um, I've never been surrounded by more people yet felt so invisible and alone. Like you're surrounded by thousands of people on campus yet you feel like no one sees you. No one knows who you are. Maybe you feel like everybody else has already found their community, has already found their people and you're already dreading next weekend because you don't wanna spend another weekend alone in your dorm room or apartment not having anything to do. Or maybe you've said things like this, hey, I'm good, I'm not stressed or anxious about anything, but actually you're feeling a level of worry and anxiety that you've never quite felt before, and you're not sure what to do with it, like it's weighing heavily on you. Or what about when it comes to your faith, and maybe you're like, well, no one's really asked. Honestly, I haven't really thought about it. Well, let me just be the first to ask, about, ask you about it then. Um, how's your faith doing? And maybe what you want to be able to say is something like this, well, my faith is stronger than ever, and I know that 
that God loves me and has a plan and a purpose for me, like Tega was talking about. Um, I can't wait to see how God works in and through my life in this season, but, but actually, I'm not sure if I even believe God could still love me. I'm struggling. I think what might be best is I'm just gonna kind of put my faith on hold in this season of my life, and I'll kind of pick it back up in a few years when college is over. And maybe you've heard things said like, hey, God knows everything about you. And you think, well, that's not good. Because if God knows everything about me, I know everything about me. I know my mistakes. I know my thoughts. I know what I'm planning to do this weekend. And if God knows all that, then he must be thinking, man, okay, I'm out. Like, you need to figure yourself out for a minute. If that's the way you're going to live throughout your college experience, then yeah, just put faith on hold and we'll check back in in a couple of years. And maybe the question that you might be thinking and a question that I've thought before and a question that some of you are like, I think this all the time is this question right here. Hey, could God still love us even though we mess up and are unfaithful time and time again? Like for real. I know that you want me to just be like, yeah, of course. But have you ever thought this? You ever felt this? Maybe you feel this way right now. Like, could God actually still love us even though we mess up and we're unfaithful time and time again and we make promises to God, like, God, if you just help me get an A on this test, I will never again do that thing I've been doing. And then somehow God comes through and we get like a B plus. We're like, God, that was good enough. And we're like, the next day we're doing the same thing again. We're unfaithful. We mess up. We're like, man, there's no way God could still love me, right? Tonight, in the remaining few minutes that we have left together, I want to look at a story found in the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, and it's, it's the book of Hosea. And Hosea was an Old Testament prophet. A prophet is someone who spoke um, the word of the Lord, so the Lord would give the word to the prophet. The prophet would deliver the message to the people. And Hosea was a prophet in the time of 750 B.C., so 750 years before Christ, before Jesus comes onto the scene and it wasn't uncommon for God to give like unique assignments to prophets, but the assignment that he was gonna give to Hosea might be one of, if not the most unique of them all. Hosea begins his ministry when things were thriving politically and economically in the, in the land in Israel. People were so prosperous, they felt like they didn't need the Lord like they, they, they easily fell into idolatry of things and possessions and they felt like, God, we're good. I'm curious if, if any of you feel like, oh, that, that kind of sounds like, like the day and age we're living in today. Where it's so easy just to fall in love with things and possessions that you forget about God. And you're like, God, I'll come to you when I need you. But until then, we're good. This is the time that Hosea is living in, the time that he's ministering in. And we pick it up in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. Says this. It says, when, the Lord, when the, the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So notice, God's first word to Hosea was something for his own life, which this is usually the way that God works. Like before Hosea could go and give this message to the nation of Israel, God said, hey, before you go and tell the people what I told you, I need you to get alone and hear from me. Like I need you to receive a word from me first, Hosea, before you go tell others about me. And this assignment right here was, was tough to say the least. God's saying, Hosea, 
I want you to go marry a prostitute, a wife that's gonna be unfaithful. Some people believe there's no way this could be real, like, because there's no way God would ask a prophet to marry a prostitute. There's no way God would ask a prophet to marry someone, a woman who would be unfaithful. And if this story is too far-fetched, if there's no way that God would ask a prophet to go marry a woman that would be unfaithful, then there's no way the story of salvation could be real either. Because think about it. That's exactly what God did for us. He sent Jesus for us. We would be unfaithful. We are unfaithful time and time again, and yet God sent Jesus for us. And so it goes on, we pick it up in verse three. It says this, it says, so he married Gomer. He said yes to the assignment, he was obedient. He married Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Hosea and Gomer have a son, and then they have a daughter, and then they have another son, so they have three kids now and things seem to be going relatively well in their marriage up until this point in time, until one day Hosea wakes up and she's gone. Like Gomer's nowhere to be found. And he's, and he's looking, he's like, where, where's Gomer? I'm sure he's like asking his kids, like, yo, you know where mom is? Like, where's Gomer? Where's Gomer? She's, she's gone, she's out. And it's important to note, Hosea was arguably one of the most famous people in all of Israel at this time. Like he was well known, he was a godly man. And so you can imagine the shame and embarrassment that he must have been feeling in this moment. And he's like, wow, people think I should have it all together. Like, they know who I am, and yet I can't even keep my wife here. Like, my marriage is falling apart. What is going on? Where is she? We fast forward the story in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, I want you to go show your love to your wife Again, though she is loved by another man, it isn't an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I'm not gonna get into to that, but the, the raisin cakes. But essentially what God's saying to Hosea is, hey, I want you to go find her. Gomer has been unfaithful. She's gone back to her old ways. But, go, but Hosea, I want you to go track her down, just as I still love the Israelites, even though they've gone their own way. One scholar wrote that other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the story of Hosea and Gomer might just be the greatest expression of God's love in all of the scriptures. God's saying, hey, I, I want you to go find her, Hosea. I know she's unfaithful, I know she's left you, you have every right just to say, okay, you go. But I want you to go track her down. So Hosea goes looking for her. And you can imagine he, he, he probably has a decent idea of where she might be. And he's walking on these streets where, quite honestly, men of God shouldn't be. And people know who he is. And they're probably looking like, what, what are you doing here, bro? And he's looking. He's like, have, have, you, seen, have you seen my wife? Have you, have you seen Gomer? And finally, he, he finds her. I don't know how long it took. But he finds her, and Gomer is actually about to be sold into sex slavery. And he finds her, and it, the text says in Hosea chapter 3, verse 2, it says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, 
Gomer, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. So Hosea finds her, and, and I don't know what happened in that moment, but he's like, hey, I'll pay the price. I'll buy her back. To which I'm thinking, Hosea, what? Like, she's already yours. It's your wife, bro. Like, why, why did you need to pay the price? Couldn't you have just been like, yo, yo, this is my wife. What are we doing here? And Hosea's like, no, no, I'm, I'm willing to, to pay the price. God created earth and every human being so we're already his you know like we're already his children we're his sons we're his daughters we're his creation but yet God was willing to pay the price for me and you we were unfaithful we went our own way and God said said hey I'll, I'll pay the price I'm gonna come after them I'm gonna find them and how much were we were we worth to God well we were worth Jesus to God God sent Jesus as the price for, for us, for our sin. And Hosea pays the price for Gomer and then he proceeds to renew his vows. That's essentially what he's doing here. He's saying, hey, Gomer, I'm gonna renew my vows to you. And you know what's so interesting is I was studying this text, preparing for tonight. I looked up what the name Hosea means in the original t language, in the Hebrew language. Did you know the name Hosea means salvation? Tell me that God's word isn't on purpose. The name Hosea means salvation. It means that God saves us, he rescues us. Do you know what the name Gomer means? The name Gomer means complete or fulfilled. Hosea in this story is a representation of Jesus. And Gomer is a representation of you and I. See, Jesus is our Hosea and in him we are complete. Like Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna chase you down. Hey, I, I don't care where you've been. Like there's no shadow I can't light up. I'm gonna come and find you and I'm never gonna give up on you. I know this is an illogical, relentless, extravagant love that doesn't make any sense, but it's the type of love that I have for you and I'm gonna come find you. And if you put your faith and trust in me, I will not only save you, but I will give you all that you need. I'll complete you. So could God love us? even though we mess up and are unfaithful time and time again? The story of Hosea says so, absolutely. In fact, I'll say it this way, don't forget this. The one who knows you best loves you the most. Yeah, the one who knows everything about you, like everything, the one who knows you most intimately, whether you know him yet or not, the one who knows you best loves you the most. And I'm just gonna say this. I don't have any interest in being a part of a college ministry or a gathering that just plays it safe and says, we're just going to come and gather with all the people who already know the love of God. No, no, no it's the opposite. Because if we've experienced and truly know the love of God, then we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to extend this love to as many people as possible. Like if we realize and know that, hey, I'm Gomer, I'm unfaithful, I've gone my own way, and if it weren't for Jesus, my Hosea, coming to find me and extending love towards me, then man, I would still be lost and without hope. 
If we know that we're Gomer, it helps us realize that there are a whole lot of other Gomers in our city within our reach. And so, man, I don't just want to be a part of a gathering that's like, this was awesome, cool. I'll come back next time. It'll be great. No, no. I want to say and give you a challenge. Hey, 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 who are you bringing with you? Go find some Gomers. Go find some people on your campus, in your friend groups, your roommate, people that you live with, people that you work with who are lost, who don't know the love of Jesus. And help them come to know the love of Jesus. No one is too far gone, you know. And maybe you're actually in the room tonight and you're like, hey, I'm that person, Matt. I don't know the love of Jesus. I've never put my faith and trust in him. I've never even heard this before. Can I just tell you, all of us have gone our own way. We've all been unfaithful. We've all sinned and fallen short and messed up. And God saw this and so he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin. And if we put our faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, then we can be saved from our sins, not just to get to heaven one day, that's a huge part of it, but also to actually live full and free here on this earth. And I wanna give someone an opportunity tonight to to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. Because I know there's people in the room who've been like, man, I want a relationship with Jesus. I see it. So if you would, all across the room as we begin to close, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And if tonight you wanna put your faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time, I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't save you. This prayer just solidifies the work that God's doing in your heart right now. So just pray this, you can pray this quietly, you can whisper it to yourself, whatever you wanna do. Just say, Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And tonight I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And I wanna follow Jesus from this day forward the best way that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would keep your heads bowed for just a moment longer If you just made that decision tonight to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time, if you would, would you just, um, with every head bowed across the room, would you just shoot your hand up at me so I can see who you are? If you just made that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus tonight, to begin a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. I'm seeing hands going up all across the room right now. That's amazing, you can can put your hands hands down. Um, everyone can pick their heads back up. Here's, here's what I would love to do, and then we're just gonna respond um, for a minute to how good God is. But there were people in our family tonight, we say that this is a family, this is a community. There's people in our community tonight that just put their faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. People that went from death to life, yeah. And here's the thing, like, I know our team has been praying for you, I know that this community, even if it's your first time, you just need to know you belong and this community loves to celebrate with one another. And so if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't have to do this. This doesn't like disqualify the decision that you just made. That's the greatest decision of your life. But if you just made the decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus and to step into a relationship with him, we would love the opportunity to celebrate with you, like to lose our minds in celebration with you. So if that was you, would you just be willing to give us like three seconds of courage? 
Here's all I'm asking. Would you just be willing, if that was you, if you shot your hand up, just to stand to your feet so that we can lose our minds and celebrate with you for the decision that you just made. And if you're wanting to stand, but like, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, y'all can stand to your feet. Yeah, 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 all across the room. Oh, come on. Come on, Tila, we can do a little bit better than that. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the Living Room ATL. Remember TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.